And we're live! Hello everyone and welcome to episode 71 of Fans of Power. I am Joe Motto and I'm here with my partner in crime like always, Tyler T-Rex Baker. What's up T-Rex? Hello, how are you? Uh, I'm, I was going to say I'm fantastic, but then that leads to something I'll say it'll sound kind of corny, but huh, I, I went to something, we had a thing called Fantastic on here where I live and it's uh, you know not something gigantic, it's only been about three years. I was hoping to find some of you know uh, old He-Man figures that are maybe just you know for junk parts for custom something whatever. So there were some like celebrities that were there and some uh, you know movie props and things. And almost everything that's being sold there was just new stuff. And they did have classic figures, but of course they're almost double, triple the price of what you pay online. So it's like I don't want that. So all I found was this guy. I think somebody said these are I don't know stone protectors or something. These crazy little things. <laughs> And the poor guy's missing a hand, of course. I got something missing a hand, but it was a quarter. I was like, well, this is my mighty convention find. This is what I bought at a convention as a... Pretty sad, huh? What, what, what does a storm protector have to do with the podcast? It has to... Well, because... Oh, I'm sorry, because it looks like a He-Man figure. Oh, That's all. It's like, you know, I wanted to... But look at him. He's got the little muscle... Body they're, they're thing. I don't they know. They turn into muscle figures. That's all they are. You don't remember stone protectors? Did these come out in the nineties? I think, but yeah, yeah, it was probably these I was were about early nineties. Okay. And did, did you ever collect any of them things? Real no, quick or no? Not. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's it. No, no because when they brought trolls back, I, I think trolls were popular in the seventies. I think. They decided to to remark, bring them back and then do two toy lines for boys. There was trolls that were the like kind of like a uh, uh, monster related trolls. Like they made like a Terminator troll, a Dracula troll, and then they made Stone Protectors, which was the <laughs> muscle man version of trolls. And I remember the commercials for them. Like, eh, it's, uh, that's that's. Uh, my brother had one of the the other trolls, but we, none of us had the stone protectors, and neither of us cared to seek them out. So, All right, well, I guess the other... I, I wonder, because when you post it on Facebook, and then you said you're going to be like, what does that have to do with you, man? Like, this is it. <laughs> I know, it's sad. Like I said, I'm looking for something that resembled it. So so that's out the way. That was some crazy nonsense. Just had a post by... Joe, A can get this, you know, off his chest here. I found... What What, what do you call it? Yeah, a stone protectors. but... At first, I didn't know what the heck it was. Oh, I think no one had answered the question before you came on here. Look, I found this. But this guy, I thought they were some cold. <laughs> hey, it was a good deal for a quarter. Joe like, Joe's like haggling with this guy. He, he was like, I want a dollar. I'll give you a penny. Yeah, 75 cents. 50 cents. <laughs> Quarter. So, so, so that's it. All right. But, uh, all right. Well, we got a couple topics today. We're going to be doing our, uh, I got a quarter here, right here for you there, Amato. <laughs> All right. You get, yeah, you keep that quarter ready because that's something we're going to be doing later. We're going to have a Maybe game. Stone we're... protector. I never had one <laughs> yeah. as a kid. Why not? You know, you, you, exactly. you're even. I'll, I'll ship you this quarter through PayPal. There you go. Thanks a lot. And I can buy more of these things. So, well, we're going to have something to do with a game that probably nobody's ever really seen. And if they have, I don't know. We're going to play a game on the show today, but it'll go quick. Then we're going to be doing a character spotlight. We're also going to be doing uh, covering a comic. But I figured, well, we'll start off with our character spotlight. We'll just mix it up. We'll start at first with the character spotlight. And that's going to be Merman. And whether it's from all his different interpretations throughout the comics, books, cartoons, the toy, or everything, 
I, I wanted to start off first because I know you'll have some good stuff. Well, we'll both have interesting things to say. But my first thing was, of course, the action figure when I got Merman. And, you know, you're getting them all. You're loving them anyways. But he was, along with Stratos, he was probably my least played with figure because uh, I guess we got used to, of course, like, and I was going to say Man at Arms was pretty much not played with at all either. But he was there because, you know, he's always by He-Man's side. So I always had to have Man at Arms. But Merman, it's, I don't know, it's because he just looks so plain and average. And that face, I always thought, for me, he reminded me of some kind of, he reminded me of like a feline or, or some kind of cat person. And his goofy ears, I, I never liked his face. And I think it's because I was spoiled by what we've seen, again, on the backs of the cards. And the way he looked with like more of those fins out and, you know, little, little bubbly things or balls on the ends of his ear fins. That's what I wanted from her, man. I got this and eh, I didn't flip over it. So I'll let you go into your toy and then we'll just ramble about, you know, things from comics too. But what were your thoughts of the toy? Did you love it? Did you want what I wanted? Or I don't know. I, I didn't have Merman as a kid. I never came across him. Um, I think I came across him in somebody else's collection. I think when I was in elementary school, like some distant as far as far removed family reunion as it possibly could be. And this guy had like a whole closet of un, like He-Man toys that clearly he had just bought, you know, put away and pulled them out. And I think that was the first time I had seen a Merman figure. And um, I, I didn't have a, the card by image burned into my brain. Um, like a, a lot of people that were old, that would have been older than me at the time. I just knew that I desperately wanted a merman figure and um, didn't actually get mine till um, I think it was in um, high school. Maybe it was in middle school. There was a store out in California that was selling He-Man toys. And I found out through you know, toy magazines and, and uh, waited almost a month for this merman figure to come in the mail. And it was just super stoked after all these years to finally have a merman. Cause I, I, I didn't have any of the core villains except evil Land and Skeletor. I didn't have Triclops. I didn't have trap jaw. I didn't have merman. I didn't have uh, Stratos. Um, I, I just had a lot of the 84, 85, 86 and 87 figures. The earlier figures other than He-Man and Skeletor. And I had man and Tila, but um, the villains I desperately wanted in merman and, uh, Triclops and Triclops or Trapjaw were up there. And I, I never had an issue with how Merman looked. And then, you know, not too long after that, I saw that, you know, actually, I think before I got, I realized that the card back figure looked drastically different, but I thought like still looks cool. I had no issues with it. And not to mention, you know, you got, I had seen different versions of Merman already from the books, like the golden books. Right. Obviously the, by the time I got the figure and, um, I can understand being disappointed had I been, you know, a lot older and saw like if I had gotten He-Man and Skeletor first, like I, like I did and saw that, that picture on the back right. and not seeing that's what Merman looked like. I, I probably would have been kind of, but my passion for He-Man was, was so deep. Like it, I just been happy as hell to have Merman. Oh. I don't, I wouldn't have, you know, someone who would have been brokenhearted about it. Cause I just, desperately wanted that character i so wanted to reenact the attack on castle grace on diamond ray disappearance as a kid oh yeah see that's and what i Mer thought oh i didn't mean to interrupt you i just want to say real quick see that's what i figured was i thought maybe filmation was gonna be your main you know because you're the filmation guy i thought it was Filmation was my first uh introduction to merman i mean it was the blue skin the fins out to the side the yeah. bubbly voice right so that that was my first one and i i, I can't really 
pinpoint when I was, I knew that there was a merman figure, but I just really didn't come across it. And by the time I got into He-Man, which would have been probably early 87, um, Merman wasn't featured on any of the card backs. You know, on occasion, Beastman was. And on the mini comics, some of the figures were featured like Trapjaw and Triclops, Manny Faces and Ram Man, which two were also, um, uh, well, four figures on the, on those mini comics that were different than the actual figures that we got. Oh, right. Exactly. But... Well, I- um, See, I figured that was it. I figured since you were used to Filmation Merman, you would have seen the figure and really thought, wow, this looks bizarre. And, and the other thing, like you brought up, I mean, I think Merman, I don't know if it was like maybe six mini comics. I don't know how many, but he wasn't featured in many. It was a lot of the early ones. And then, like, of course, that Godforsaken Leech one, which we covered. Yeah, that, that's, hey, hey, we got this one character, Merman. Let's, let's use him and just, <laughs> you know, let, let's redesign him, give him a beard, make him, you know, cut his balls off. You know, and and make him the most inferior of the villains as we possibly can. It was, you know, it's um, I just assume they're not using him if that's all they were going to do with him. I, they, I don't, I don't know why the 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 writers of the many. I mean, well, it's Mattel's, I guess, prospect is they want to push the current figures, but somehow you'd still see Beastman, Man at Arms, and Tila, Orko. You'd still see like the core characters used in almost the majority of the issues, but um. Mer- Merman, and same thing with uh, Triclops and Trapjaw. They they had a couple of sparse appearances, you know, kind of sprinkled throughout in 85, and after that, they pretty much, you know, disappeared for the most part. And But at least we can say this, Merman got more attention, you know, than Zodak. And Faker, oh. at least, you know, because Faker <laughs> wouldn't appear until 87 in the comics, so. Yeah, um, I guess so. No, he- and really, and really uh, Merman was, you know, once we get to it, can't really say he was shortchanged because he was used so much in filmation, um, given some one-shot episodes as the, as the lead villain of the episode and lots of right. team up with other uh, of the other members of the Evil Warrior faction working with Skeletor. So he and the toy line definitely sure you didn't get him like some really cool box art except the um, I think the attack track and um, uh, it's, it's it's just the attack track and. Um, Oh, uh, the, the Point Dread box art, he's featured on that, too. So he, he got a few appearances, you know, with the merchandising, with the toy line and stuff like that. But um, yeah. for such a prominent character, people think He-Man matches the universe. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I, would, I would bet that if you, they were told to name five characters or just describe five characters, Merman would be one of those five. Yeah. And um, it's he's such a uh, – it's – we couldn't get another form of He-Man in comic books or a, a movie or a TV show or a cartoon series that did not have Merman. Merman is as essential to the mythology as Man-at-Arms and the Sorceress is. Like, he has to be one of Skeletor's lead henchmen. And I, I always liked the idea, and I felt like, I guess some writers felt like they had to limit him to the water. But I always liked the idea that Merman is someone that could exist on, on dry land because we're dealing with the world of fantasy. Why should the, the fish man be stuck only in the water you know kind of like aquaman it was it was fun to see merman running around on dry land even in some of the mini comics like he's not just stuck to the water he's attacking he-man with beast man he's helping break into castle gray skull so he's um that and, and i've i always hate that when they limit water-based characters to strictly the water i'm like no nah, no nah, come on it's yeah it limits the story if you got to do it that way yeah you don't yeah exactly you don't want to just do that because some of the 
of course, there were some stories. I think, like, even Masks of Power was one where he got to, I guess, you know, go jumping into the water or do some kind of shortcut. But I thought there was, yeah, so, yeah, so he's had, like, he's the things where it's focused on water, things where it's on land. And I think, like, he might have appeared in, um, I, I think it might have been, uh, was it Tale of Tila? Maybe. Tale of Tila, he was there to, to, to ambush Tila in that one, yeah. Yeah, which was kind of cool because you've seen him, you know, he was getting down. He was going back and forth with the battles. And, you know, I think he even knocked the sword out of her hand. But I think that was the only time Mark Texera maybe did him. I don't know if he was in any of the other mini comics. Yeah, he wasn't in Ram Man's or Triclops or Trap Jaws or uh, the Magic Magic Steeler wasn't in that or uh, Point Dread. He wasn't in that mini comic either. So I I think Tale of Taylor, I think, was the only time Mark Texera drew him. Yeah, and, and which was cool. Like Larry Houston and Bruce Tim. You know, the, those guys never never got around the drama, and I, I would have loved to have seen, because I'm sure he would have looked very formation-like, because I, I think of what Larry Houston did with some of the um, illustrations of, like, um, like Trap Jaw. Oh. oh, and Skeletor, too, looked very yeah. formation. I'm like, well, Merman would have had the side fins, blue skin, or, I believe, or yeah. skin and armor that were very similar to the cartoon. It, it would have looked cool with him running around on the pages like that. I mean, it definitely would, because I, I can't, I don't, God, I think in one, on one hand, we could count the artists. I mean, of course, we know Alcala, Texera, and then, uh, you know, the bizarre one with Leech. But I was like, I know he had to be in another mini comic. Off the top of my head, I can't remember, but at least those were the mains. But definitely the Alcala is the main ones, because that's where, see, some people, in I, I think it was Battle in the Clouds, maybe, where that's the one where, you know, he got the, the vest from He-Man. He got his uh his power vest. And a lot of people thought he, like, you know, overpowered. And he battled He-Man. It was like, no, you guys got to go back and read that comic. Because it was like He-Man was on the sky sled in the air. Of course, in the air. Where is he going to be in the water? Okay, yeah, of course, he's on the sky sled. And Skeletor and Merman are shooting at him, trying to get him down. I think Stratos is trying to, like, get underneath the sky sled to, like, balance it or keep it. But the wind blows He-Man off. And when He-Man lands, he basically is almost knocked out. Merman figures, this is my time to take advantage of it. And so he gets over to where He-Man's at, and he has, like, a gigantic boulder. And they don't show it, but he was supposed to have thrown that onto He-Man's head, knocked him out, and then he took his power vest. So you, you see, you know, that's how he bested He-Man. And of, of his obsession, he was hoping to get He-Man's weapons, get his, like, you know, all his vehicles, and then maybe he would have the power to even take over Skeletor. So I like that Merman, at least in the early mini-comics, because he was at least doing something. And you, well, I guess it's the only time you get to really see him do stuff in the mini-comics that was of any, I guess, um, real depth or importance, possibly. Yeah, and, and that, that was the, the good thing, that the, the first wave only had three villains, so you really you really had to make great good use of um you know of the, these are the only villains we've got we have to make them you know formidable foes, which was great because it wouldn't it wouldn't take long before both Merman and Beastman would become the the cliche bumbling fools you know that people if you, you ask them about the cartoon they're probably like oh yeah Skeletor is goofy henchman and you know quickly you know have forgotten or we're not aware of just how cunning, you know, those villains were not just in the first mini comics, but, you know, in the big in the first season of the filmation as well, that they right. um, were treated with a lot of dignity. Like some, some, some villains were fortunate enough to have, but um, eventually would, would become, you know, rolling your eyes at like you could flick them with your finger and they would fall over that kind of mentality or they, they yeah. just say, you just say, boo, 
and they would run scared. You know, sure. Just... And you know, that's what's sad about Merman because I know that he probably got limited to season two, you know, to, I don't know, not as many episodes as we'd have liked because they're focused on... Had, he had a decent amount considering, you know, like Triclops virtually disappeared in season two. Beastman yeah. was used a lot. Trapjaw was used uh, a de- fairly large amount. Merman probably would have been third in line. Like Triclops is dead last. Merman, a Beastman and Trapjaws had had a, like a lot of appearances amongst with Whiplash, Cobra Con, Web Store, Too Bad, Spike Or. But you know, Merman was featured in the games. Uh, Shadow of Skeletor. He was featured in Island of Fear. Um, th- those are some some that come to mind right off the top of my head. But um, and don't you find that sad? Because I think along with what you're saying with the cartoon, he was featured more than maybe, like you said, some of the others. But when it came to, like, then the mini-comics, that's what was different, is in the mini-comics, the later waves and everything, you would still always have Trusty Man-at-Arms, Orko, Tila, and a lot of the issues with He-Man and the new heroes. But when it came to introducing new villains in those mini-comics, they never seemed to have, like like you said, Beast-Man, or, or Merman at Skeletor's side. It was always more of the villains that they wanted to keep focused on that are new. And it was weird because, you know, I, like when I think of like Skeletor, I do think of Merman by his side, Beastman by his side. But they didn't get that beat by Skeletor's side, like how He-Man always had Man-at-Arms, Tila, Orko in a lot of those comics, you know? And I, I feel like that could have worked both ways, where if you're going to push a brand new hero like Fisto, Extendar, Snout Spout, you could like, hey, we're going to push the new guys, and we'll we'll, we'll go back and try and, and and push some of the older villains that you know, because because as far as I know, because at least from one I can remember, when I was a kid and still buying He Man toys, like I, I came across Beastman, I think in 1987, before my brother was born. Mm-hmm. So that's a 1983, 82 figure that I could still buy at the last year of the wave. So I'm quite certain that you know you could still find Triclops, Merman, Trapjaw. The older figures even then so it would have made sense that you know you can still buy these figures this deep into the line why not continue to feature them but um as with a lot of the later mini comics they would try to combine you know and feature three to four new characters all in the same book so then it kind of makes sense of well we don't have time or room to put in Beastman and merman and stratus we got to push faker scareglow and clam champ all in the same issue here so yeah it's, you know, it's, I understand it. I don't dispute it because we got a lot of great stories, but, um, um, but I can't, I, and I can't cry about it because Merman got used sufficiently well in filmation, um, you know, and, and had some, some pretty good um, appearances. Tila's quest being oh, like yeah. his, 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 his highest moment, even though it was very early on in the series. Um, it, it was, it was him. Just to see one of the evil warriors, and it happened on a couple of occasions where you got some of the evil warriors kind of doing stuff on their own outside, like Trap Jaw with uh, Lord Mask, Beast Man, uh, Capturing King Randor and Prince Adam No More. Uh, you know, and, and you got Evelyn and Triclops working together on the Royal Cousin, for example. But, um, but you're right, Tila. It was great. Oh, I was, I'm sorry. I was going to say real quick. You're right. Tila's quest, though. I, I, for me, it's one of the most memorable ones with him. But, you know, I feel like sometimes he's overshadowed because obviously that episode is, you know, it's Tila's quest focusing on her and then finding about her mother. And that's when you find out about the sorcerers. So I think that's kind of more memorable, even though it's like, you got to think Merman was trying to get her as a baby years ago until of course, you know, man at arms and Zoar, you know, 
were able to stop him and because he wanted to make that sacrifice to Bakul. You know, and that for me, as a lot of people remember too, that basically had the Clash of the Titans feel. You know, the sacrifice, the woman, the Kraken, if you will, Bakul. They both had the same, you know, similar well, plot. It's it, it was interesting because I, I, I like, because in that story he plans on trying to sacrifice Zoar the Falcon. You kind of have to be under assumed that he doesn't know what Zoar the Falcon is other than it's this mystic bird and it would make a great sacrifice to Bakul. And I, I like the idea that in the story that, he knows there's something in the nest on top of the mountain that the bird was protecting. He's poking at the nest. I think the idea that if Merman found, you know, baby Tila laying in that nest, he definitely would have taken her and mm-hmm. given her to the sea monster for, for, for back to eat alive, most likely. Yeah. And, um, and it was fun to kind of link man at arms and Merman to this old feud, like when man at arms was a young man and, and um, uh, probably, you know, have followed out with Merman countless times, probably. But um, it was, it was, he was, it was written so perfectly well by Paul Danny. I mean, from his, uh, when he is sitting at Skeletor's council table and they're watching in the hover, in the, in the view screen, not hover screen, view screen. Mm-hmm. And just casually, I, I just love it because Skeletor's leaning forward, you know, watching and, and telling Merman, this is an interesting, you know, thing we're observing. Tila's on a mission of her own. And then Merman's like, oh, please, you know, let, let me deal with her. You know, I'm, I want revenge. It, it was just like something you don't see the evil warriors do. Not even in film, in uh, NYP, you know, filmation, you had, you know, Beastman saying he's going to best Skeletor here and there. But to to, to um, portray one of the villains, one of the evil warriors, as someone who's just like, I don't have any other motivation other than revenge. And his revenge is, is feeding you alive. To a sea monster who, and Tila, just think about it, Tila's arms are tied up to to the uh, to the wall in the cave. Yeah. And Bakul probably would have tore her arms off when he came to grab her to either consume her or take her down to the water. Like her arms are tied up, I can't imagine he's going to untie Tila's arms. Yeah, like, he'll probably tear her arms off if he were to get a hold of her. Exactly. Yeah, and she was like, you, you said, know, it was like what a horrible thing for Tila to go through. <laughs> They're tied up, and hey, hey. going to sit there and. Have I mean, Watch. She was like not only just tied up to where she was tied standing, she was tied, but she was like hanging off of the ground, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, you know, dangling off the ground and her arms are tied up. And I, I just it uh, it's very reminiscent of the original Clash of the Titans. And. Um, and it was just it, back hole looked great. He would be reused again in the Star Child in a very piss poor way. But not as back cool, just the same monster. But. Right, they like the reuse. But what was you know what was good about Tila's quest again to show a little Merman's character? You basically seen he's just like all the other evil villains. You know, at a point during that story, the Crimson Pearl into that staff, you know, it gets broke. Now no longer can anybody control Bakul. He can't control him no more. So he's getting ready to get killed by him. And He Man's like, I hate to do this, but He Man comes to save Merman and throws him like to safety. And then I think Merman didn't even care. What was his line? Something like, you know, like, uh, Frank- yeah, thanks for the rescue, fool. Now I'll see if you can save yourself, you know. And yeah, then it, run off, you know? Yeah, and didn't he do that in, it was in one of the, I thought it was in one of the early mini comics too, to where wasn't Skeletor going to kill him or something? Wasn't he shooting with a blast of energy or, or something? Am I thinking of a different character? Uh, but- Vengeance of Skeletor. And I, I, I think the panel was, 
he clearly looks like he's either giving Merman a power up or trying to hurt him. But I think yeah, he was. Gonna, I think he said he was going to kill him. I really think Skeletor was his plans were to kill him. And then He Man was like, again, almost like in the cartoon. But of course, this was first. He's like, I hate to do this, but he saves Merman. And again, Merman's like basically in a way, thanks for nothing. Or, you know, like why did you do that? Because he doesn't care. You saved him, but it doesn't matter. It's not going to say thanks, He Man. Thanks, buddy. You know, it's. It was another part, yeah. I just thought it was interesting because I think Skeletor was going to kill Merman for his failure. And it's uh, it's it's the typical. I mean, I think you see briefly the He-Man, Merman, and Fisto kind of working together a little bit, massive power, like not a tremendous amount, but there's kind of a brief moments where it looks like the three of them are working together. Merman's trying to kind of help lead them uh, to where they need to go, um, but uh, it's. One of, one of those things where it's it's it was and Heman has you know has done this sporadically throughout the series too saving the villain even when they're crying for help they they would have killed you had they not been put in the situation Heman I, I love how he just hurls Merman like <laughs> Merman like rolled up into a ball he's like a ball yeah and it's almost you could almost see it as like yeah I'll save you I'm gonna knock that living hell out of you but yeah. you'll still but you know what this is for putting me and Battlecat through all this hell yeah. just because you got to stick up your ass. I did like you know, that. Yeah. It happened 20 years ago. So just throws them on, on the crystal ground. You hear the big boom. So it's, uh, and it was cool to see Merman working with the fishmen. Uh, you know, the, you know this, this like, you know, if you haven't watched it, which if you're listening to this, I'd like to think you watched Tila's Quest, but these two, two, uh, green fishmen that had fins on their ears and these kind of like snorkel mouths. They were freaky. And they make kind of weird, weird noises. And, yeah, and um, they were creepy characters. It, it was a yeah, creepy little, especially the way that episode is done when, when Tila's talking to the Oracle and he says, I sense danger coming. And she turns around yeah. and hears the fishman closing in on her face. Yeah, he's right there, right? And, and laughing. Yeah. It was, it, as a kid, that was a great suspense. And, and, um, and Merman's giving nothing but the best dialogue, not not just from his his uh, meeting with Skeletor at Snake Mountain, demanding, "Hey, let me handle Tila. Give this to me. That this, this just needs to be something I have to do." You know, his his whole speech to Tila. You know, I have a very special destiny for you to fulfill, and you know, taunting Tila and saying, you know, you know, uh, talking about man at arms, why he's he's got this feud with him, and now you're gonna you're you're gonna pretty much, you know, do what I intended to do 20 years ago with, you know, Zoar, and it's all because I hate Man-at-Arms. <laughs> it's a great, fun little backstory, this kind of one-off story here. And, um, yeah, you could not have been more right that this story is definitely overshadowed by the whole Tila finding out who her mother right. is. The source is kind of, not necessarily breaking character, because Paul Dini... I don't know if it was written in the Bible. I don't subscribe to the to, to the the Michael Halpern Bible because of Biff, Biff Beast Man. That, that that amongst other things. <laughs> so if the idea that the sources cannot leave Grayskull in in her human form, it's all right that it's broken here because I feel like, um, I don't know. The story's just so damn good that I'm like this is one of those occasions where you feel like it's a great emotional moment. Probably yeah. the most I I, th- I would say more emotional probably in the top two emotional moments of the entire series uh, problem with power no i don't i don't get a, an emotional rise out of that not like well, i do with that no more and tila's quest it's um, it was i mean very emotional not just because of obviously her finding out she finally find out you know who her mother is but the saddest part is the sorcerer's having to take that memory away again and the sorcerer's having her tear you know 
that's that was the most emotional part to me yeah. is what the source it's, said it's, to it's, do. And it's a, and that's the kind of stuff that the NYP series lacked was was a lot of genuine heart and good emotional content put into. I mean, you know, people, it, it which just shows you, you know, yes. Every cartoon is, is susceptible to heavy advertising of the toys, the play sets, the vehicles and accessories and stuff like that. But there was quite a few that, you know what, it wasn't just about, hey, you can buy this at your local Kmart or Hills department store. We got a good story here. And um, sure. and that was and one of those stories that to me aged like fine wine. I liked the story as a kid, but I liked it even more as an adult because I'm like, there's so much more here that, that Paul Dini, you know, wrote. I know he kind of writes off the He-Man series as is is a forgettable part of his career, but uh, that's a shame. I mean, he 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 did one of your favorites to save Skeletor. He did, you know, Mystery Manny Faces. He he put his mark on the series, and this was this could probably be, you know, looked at as, as his best episode. And um, and you know, you were just talking about NYP earlier when you kind of mentioned that. What did you think about Merman in there? Because for me, he was, it, it definitely felt different. Like, you know, in Filmation, you know, I actually took him seriously. Besides certain episodes, like I said, of course, when they're going to want to ham up and make everybody silly for the sidekicks. But in MYP, to me, he felt, it's like his look was a little more psychotic with that crazy smile and the way he, you know, just some of his mannerisms. He looked demented and psychotic to me in MYP. And I definitely didn't get any kind of like serious feel, even though, yes, he, he commanded a lot of, you know, like how he had that gigantic fish, that damn fish that we had to see. In no, 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 no. There was nothing respectable about commanding that giant <laughs> fat fish. That kept appearing. That featured too, too, too much. <laughs> two episodes that it was featured in. So, no, there was nothing, nothing commendable about that particular part of the merman mythology. You know, I, I, when, I, I remember when that, when the three part pilot came on. That was one of the few parts there was a general consensus that that scene sucked. And that, to know that they went get a full episode based on the one scene that, that everybody was dear God, the scene will not end. Yeah, I couldn't believe it too. Yeah. Because it was like, it's like, it was again. Awful. Yeah, it's like, again and again. It's just, it's just so long and dragged out. So, I mean, for him to control things, cool. You know, I wish we could have seen, like you said, even more stuff. But like, and then you even seen a basically like his corn cob sword like you know his belt buckle he popped sword. yeah i like calling it corn cob you know, I, it always on a cob though I, yeah I, I it's more like corn on the cob than than buzz off being bill cosby yeah, uh, yeah everybody agrees with that too but what'd you think of that popping off the belt and then turning into the sword think that was kind of i thought that was clever i like that that design yeah it wasn't bad i mean i, I mean, clearly I, I felt that the figure was supposed to resemble the the card back the the, the uh the cross cell arc from the original packaging, you know, where he's got the, the small fins that kind of on the top of his head. Uh, the armor it was very reminiscent of the original figure design. Um, so I, and I appreciated that, but unfortunately I felt like Merman was just there. Like I never felt like he did it. Other than those two, those two, you know, Amobius strips of, of what a giant fat fish floating around with man around stuck in the belly. You know, Merman really didn't get to do a whole lot. You no. know, I, I didn't like he, you know, got to have a whole lot of great action sequences. You know, first thing that comes to mind is like the fight in the uh, the the canyons with, with He-Man and all the evil warriors at the first part of Council of Evil where he's running along the side of the wall, flips, you know, and he's active with his staff along with, um, you know, the sword. But um, 
just really wasn't, you know, Triclops was given some moments to shine. You know, Whiplash here and there, too bad. Cobra Khan, uh, Evil Ann, even though she was written obnoxious and I couldn't stand her throughout the entire series, but she was given a lot to do. Um, Trap Job was given stuff to do, like he had his episode with Stratos and Trust, but um, Merman didn't get to have like a um, kind of low villain episode or an episode where he's a prominent part of the story. No, because I think it because you know, so everybody from at least from the hero side, like Rain Man had an episode, Man in Arms is featured, Tila, Stratos, Cyclone, Roboto, Manny Faces, Buzz Off. You said earlier, I think it's really what you said earlier, and it's what's sad. It's like writers think it's Merman, so we have to write him for water. So that's why we got that stupid fish episode again. But when it went past that, it's like, oh god, how can we write Merman if he's not in the water? And then so we're stuck with him never popping up. That's what I mean. It's like how they did it in just the past, too. It's like Merman's stuck where I don't know what to do with this guy. So he unfortunately gets just basically omitted from so many episodes where you can still do so many fantastic things. It's like, like you said, he doesn't live to where he has to be in water to live. He can be on the land. He is a land-based character. Too. Sure, he can do stuff in the water, but he can live on land. So make him do something. And to just put it in this, omit him and dismiss him, it's it's a shame because then Merman, even though he's so memorable for being, like you said, some of the original characters and core characters, he's also in a way forgettable because you don't see much of him. And it sucks that that well, happened to him. He's there, like he's featured in so many of the small battles, like the Monster Within, like the opening battle. Merman's featured heavily in that. He's featured in, um, I, trying to, I think he's in Courage of Adam. I haven't watched that particular episode in a long time. But, I mean, he's featured, you know, several times throughout the uh, the three-part uh, uh, pilot, the beginning. Um, he's featured in um, – gosh, I'm drawing a blank here. Well, I, I, so overall, I mean, Merman just was given probably the least amount to do in the NYP series. I mean, yeah. I think all the villains – I mean, hell, the Horde were, were given a little bit more to do. And they, their, their appearance, I guess, just I, – I like to think more than just because it was the Horde. But, you know, Hordak was given a much more memorable uh, use in Powers of Grace, the, pow the Power of Grace Skull, along with his um, cameo in um, Price of Deceit. And I think he had another cameo. Uh, I, I don't know. I just felt like Merman's appearances what didn't leave an impression oh. other than, you know, he was a part of two of the most irritating moments of the series, you know. Uh, and it's not his fault. It's just it was bad writing, and like we're gonna get put him in charge of this big fat blowfish with wings. And yeah, and it's one of the worst things. That's like I said, it's one of the most hated scenes. And if you want to say things to remember, it's you remember him from a terrible scene and a terrible episode. And like you said, he might have been featured, but he sure wasn't showcased and highlighted to shine. It's just no, and, and underwater sequences and stuff like that. But you know, Merman wasn't really used for a whole lot of those. You got the Sequence and separation were too bad going down in the water looking for the the piece to put in the uh, uh, kind of like the the tri the the tri force thing you know that the um, that that caused the spell of separation oh. that 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 caused the light and dark hemisphere you got He Man going underwater and he's like but I guess it wouldn't make sense for Merman but you know they just um, they they never did like underwater battles a whole lot or, or stories that revolt underwater cities or I mean. They did that in filmation, but it stunk. All you know that it was written by Larry Detaily. It was City Beneath the Sea, a very forgettable episode. Search for the VHO. 
Clash of the Titans reference to that episode, but a forgettable episode. Even though Merman looked great, the, the animation of him running and jumping in the water was great. At least that I was like memorable. Whereas, unfortunately, yeah. Merman just was not given anything great to do. The figure looked great. I love the design. The voice was fine, but he just never did anything menacing to to really leave his mark on NYP, and I just had to blame the writers for that. They, I feel like they, they could have used the character, could have done a whole lot with him, give him something of substance to do, make him the, you know, uh, responsible for, you know, I don't know. You, you could do, there's a whole, whole bunch of stuff you could do with Merman. And I still and he feel had, No, he could, I'm sorry, I was going to say real quick, he could have had a, a memorable, I think, comic episode possibly, because we're going to, in just a couple minutes, we'll be getting to a comic we're going to talk about to where I thought he was going to be in this one part of this particular comic when we get to it, but... So, I mean, yeah, I guess overall, you know, like I said, Merman, uh, a character that I liked more in filmation than any of the other mediums. I did enjoy him in the mini comic. Oh, he was great in Golden Books. I, I felt like Merman, you know, even though he didn't do a whole lot, I felt like, to me, because particularly as a kid, like he was in the sort of skeletal where he, he I, I assume he's essentially responsible for commanding this hand come out of the water, grab him in, pull him down, and then the sea vines entangle him in. And allows Mermaid to steal the power sword and take it to Skeletor so he can break into Castle Grayskull. You got him in Caverns of Fear where He-Man goes down into the well near Grayskull and sees the caverns and is attacked by Merman. Inside the cave, he bursts out of the water and is wrestling with He-Man. He's also in uh, Mask of Evil, uh, which the the cover was better than the story. I love that cover, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the cover, because it was... A green colored filmation merman painted by Earl Norn. It was beautiful. Yeah, that was... I remember it when I saw that cover. I thought, "Oh dear God, man, this is one of those epic painted covers." And and it's merman. It looks like filmation, but he's got green skin. <laughs> it's so cool. And, yeah, that was that was nice. And he really didn't do a whole lot masculine other than he's guarding the the, uh, the 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 lady who plays the the instrument. I forgot. It's I forgot what her name was. Uh, that's but all right. Still... Now, did uh, was Doug jumping in there for a second? Did you have something? Yeah. To um, Descendants of Grayskulls in the chat room. Uh, he wants to know, do you remember the many mermen? Oh, I, yeah, yes, for Freddy Cat. Yes. You know, I'm getting senile because I almost thought I said that to Tyler. I was like, well, Tyler, what did you th- – okay, thanks for saying that. I'm glad he brought it up because that's what I was going to say to you. We all remember Merman had all his little babies in that Filmation episode. Now, what did you take that as, that his – you know, he has a woman back at home or just somehow Merman somehow laid eggs too? Uh, what did you think about I, the little baby? I'm not saying – I'm not saying – I'm not thinking that Merman produces asexually. You know, he's, he's he not could. like Louis Gossett. Junior and enemy mind. No, no, no. I'm not going down that route. In my mythology, that is not how merman. No, I'm just thinking like he, there just happens to be some young uh, merman no woman? species, which I'm not. People know I'm not a fan of 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 spreading out and saying there's a whole bunch of these particular characters. But for this particular episode, it was interesting to see little merman, and I just took it as you know, like there's little smaller versions of him from his race, not necessarily he produced in that he's going home and he's named him, you know, Huey, Dewey and Louie, Dinky and Doc or whatever. But uh, I, I just, I just see that as, you know, they're, they're part of his clan slash species. And they're like little brats that would like, you know, we hate you. And they start throwing stones or something like that. Their kids are kind of, you know, misled or something like that. We hate you, dad, throwing little rocks. But you know what's funny is I actually did always think of them as, his little actual children. 
I didn't know how we had him. Like I said, I, I guess, you know, you never thought about a woman because you never seen the woman in an episode. So I thought Merman was just a special fish man that was laying his own eggs. That's how I kind of, I guess, thought of it. And I was like, yeah, Merman's got a wife at home, like with a pink apron. She's got the bread roll. She's sitting there kind of tapping it in her hand and waiting for him to come home. You know, did Skeletor pay you this week? No, no. He delayed payment till, till next week. And she's like, that does it. You know, and just kicks him out of the cave. And, you know, he just, you know, bubbling and gargling. And yeah, it's not that old, you know, bat, you know, just. Uh, oh, shit. It, 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 right. it was a great little sitcom, you know, The Merman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little spin-off show. Sitcom. He is like Dick Van Dyke. He comes in and trips over a stone, you know, when or something like yeah, that. Well, that was. was... Like, what the hell's Dick Van Dyke? Yeah, I know. There we go. Talk about spinning off, but all right. Well, that was our... a, Man is a great character. I, I would love to do do more discussions about him, but um, unfortunately, Joe is is cutting our conversation short here for, oh. for more. Hector conversation. No, no, no. Like I said, I mean, like you said, Birdman, we, there's plenty of other uh, episodes that can be discussed and vintage books and oh, everything. Oh, he's also featured in uh, Secret of the Dragon's Egg. Oh, son of, oh yeah. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He's the one that has the, the Dragon's Egg itself. And um, um, he's also, uh, well, mentioned in Dragon Invasion as the one who found the Dragon Pearl in the Slime Swamp. See? Um, so he which is something I read. The Leech mini comic that I did with Karsten. There you go. A nice little early spoiler there for for people. Um, there you go. You just run the whole damn story. Else to say about Merman. All right. Um, before we move on, before Joe cuts me off short here. Is my cutting you off right now? No, you, you're doing it all the time here. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to cut you off into something else. Like I said, it's, it's, we'll, we can always return to Merman. He can have yeah. Just shows. just so people know too. Um, because now that I'm thinking, I meant to say this last episode. We, we have done, if you're just now joining like the podcast, like catching us on YouTube, we've done previous character profiles of, of, of other characters from Jitsu and Fisto, Roboto. But, you know, with our new formats, you know, and, and, and me and Joe, we, we definitely plan to do uh, upgrades to our character discussions. You know, I want to do a much lengthier discussion with Joe about Jitsu. I, Definitely want to do a better discussion on Clamp Champ. You know, we've oh, done yeah. Clamp. It could have been better. I know it could be better, and it will be better. So we plan on revisiting a lot of the characters that we've done on our Podbean episodes for the YouTube format, and also for for for, for further Podbean episodes. So yeah, because I missed some definitely, and I do want to. Yeah, Joe, Joe missed the one we did on Tila. Um, and and I, I'm looking forward to giving Tila. A an, another uh, discussion with Joe where we can really battle it out over her. Oh yeah, um, definitely wanted to go back and revisit Jitsu and Fisto with Joe. Yeah. So we, um, if you're wondering if you're watching, how come we haven't done this character? Well, we've done a lot of them, but we plan on going back and doing better discussions with with um, you know with with us on here, maybe with the guests. You know, sometime you know we uh, we talked to Axel about doing Hordak, which is why we have not done Hordak yet. Maybe we can get Axel on here to do Hordak at some point because he loves Hordak. Oh, so yeah, we're holding them. We're holding them. So there's plenty to yeah. revisit. No, definitely plenty to revisit. Yeah. So hopefully, I, I'm sure if you, if you're thinking that uh, you go back and listen to a certain comment, how come they didn't mention this? Like, well, we plan to go back and revisit and really dig deeper into these characters. You know, and sure. Like I said, it's not so that we're trying to, like I said, cut parts off but it's you know since we're just trying to give like you know 
a few different topics into a certain, um, you know, episode. Okay. Keep in mind, Joe, I'm saying you're cutting me off. I'm saying that in the most playful manner here. I'm not being a prick to you here. So. <laughs> I got you. So I got when you. I say Joe's cutting me off, I'm saying it in the most lighthearted fashion. So well, Good. And that's why I'm going to beat you. Because right now, we're going to transition to Merman to a, a rarely seen game. This is <laughs> smash it. There you go. The man was in a beer can. No, but we're going to transition. That's my Tom Belushi impression. Yeah, I remember. But so we're going to transition to a game, a game that's going to be very quick, one that you rarely see, but we figure we're going to play it live here on the show because there's also a part of this game that's always been questionable, but it's this game that's Castle Grayskull game. It was in one of the vintage coloring books. So for those who are watching right now, I colored this up. Just figured I'd just try to jazz it up for everybody. For those who are listening, you'll still be able to hear what we're landing on. And then, of course, when we put this up uh, for the people who are just listening, I'll just put a picture up so you guys can look at the reference of this board. But, well, it's called the Castle Grayskull game. And at the bottom, they have a He-Man and a Skeletor token that you're supposed to cut out. And you, you know, one person's one, one's the other. And you take a coin and you're going to flip. If you get heads, you go ahead one space. If you get tails, you go ahead two. You're supposed to start on the square that says beware or beware. So we're going to start. Tyler, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Go ahead. It doesn't matter. We're going to flip a coin. I got my uh, my heat token right here. I'm ready to play. I've got my 1966 quarter. <laughs> you got a real bite. So you want to start off? I don't care. You go ahead. Yeah, one. I'll be all two face here, and I'll, I'll I'll flip to save my fate here. All right, but heads, heads. Okay, then you land on triclops. You're gonna miss a turn, so that means I better get tails. Stay there and duke it out with triclops. And I did. Bit. I got tails. I'm not cheating. This is the, the heat token, so that's the word. So I go ahead. Two. It says escape merman over the Keep bridge. Now, as we're recording this, I can't see the board. Only Joe really has the hard copy, and Doug is okay. posting one for the listeners. So I'm assuming that Joe is not cheating me out of this this little coloring book game. I'm not cheating, but you can kind of see that down there that Doug's showing, I think. Or, or is oh, it yes, about the size. It's small. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not cheating. I landed on Escape Merman over the bridge. So I went across the bridge, and I landed on a safe square. But now, since you miss a turn, I get to go again. So I'm going to flip. Oh, how unfortunate here. And, and I'm not cheating. I got tails again, so I go ahead. One, two. I got caught in the jungle vines. I miss a turn. Okay, so now it's you. You go ahead. <laughs> heads. You got heads? Okay, well, you just land on Skate Merman. You went across. You're on safe, but you get to flip again because I got stuck. Tails. Okay, you went to the jungle vines. Now you're stuck in the jungle vines. Now... Yeah. For those who are watching, here comes the part. This is the part of the game that makes no sense to me. I'm going to flip. We're already there? Yes, we're already there. That's why I said it's going to be quick. I got heads. I go ahead to where it says, take Talon Fighter to shortcut Meadow. Or to uh, take Talon Fighter shortcut to Meadow. So I go across and I land on the Attorney in Meadows. I'm going to wait because... Oh, wait. No, you got to... wait. Did, did, um, did he already... Do the miss a turn, or, or does he go now, Doug? I actually lost track. I think it is Tyler's turn, right? Or no? No, no. I think you get one more turn. One more turn? Oh, God. I might actually win this game a little too quickly. Oh, I got heads. So I landed on the green goddess. It said, go ahead. Good fortune. Now I'm on Battle Cat. One more space, and I'll be at Castle Grayskull and win. But Tyler, you go ahead, because I'm hoping you get to do the thing that I want to discuss. 
Heads. Heads. Okay, well, you got the talent fighter shortcut. You want to head to Attorney Meadows. But now I'm going to explain something for fans out there. We were caught in the jungle vines. As you know, from that spot, you can either go ahead one space or two space. One space takes you immediately to a talent fighter shortcut that you go across. If you get two spaces, it goes to vehicle re needs repair. Go back one space because you land on man-at-arms. So if I land on that, it takes me to the shortcut, and I go, go right to the attorney medals. The reason I'm bringing this up is there's two spaces past man-at-arms. There's one with Ram Man that says direct traffic, and there's one with tra Trap Jaw that says trap, trap Jaw traps you. Miss one turn. Unless I'm missing something, is there another? And uh, Dirt, I'm hoping you could even explain. There's no way to get past man-at-arms, correct? I mean, once if you roll one or two from the fine jungle, either way, you got to take that shortcut. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. Flip a coin, can see how the, the only thing that I could assume is that if you're forced to move ahead one space or move back one space, you don't get the benefit of whatever that space you land on. Oh, so you're thinking, oh, I guess if you wanted to think into that, like you said. Right. So, so, so if you landed on man in arms and it says vehicle needs repair, go back one space. You would just go back one space, but you don't get to take the shortcut. Huh, okay, I guess that could be a way interpreted because I had I had a lot of people, I debated this, not debated, but there was a lot of discussion a couple years ago when I put this board up. And some people said, okay, well, maybe this is the logic. They said, maybe if you land on where it says take talent fighter shortcut to Meadow, they said, maybe it's an option where you can take it or you don't have to take it. But I was like, but why would you want to do that? Why would you want the option? Because, like, let's say that was an option, and you did, you know, flip two to go past Man at Arms and get to Ram Man, and then eventually get to Trap Jaw. It's like, well, God, you're wasting all this time to get around where you could do these shortcuts and just get right to the end of the game. So, but yours, maybe that can make sense. Maybe, like you said, if you go back, you know, that's why I think it should be edited. Maybe I should edit up this game for people if they'd want to play. When I say, when it says go back, I'll have like in parentheses under the town fighter shortcut saying cannot use this if you reach man at arms to get here or something. Do you think that could make sense? I honestly, I would switch Ram Man and Man at Arms. Yeah, that could be good because this is like I said, it's it's a game that I always was thought is so flawed. It's a fun, quick one for kids, and plus, in fact, now I get to rub it in. Tyler yelled on me earlier. Okay, I got heads. It didn't matter. Bam! I land on Castle Grayskull. I'm the winner. Tyler lost. You suck. So I won the game. Oh, what do you think of that? Rest? Another thing you could do is that uh -huh. if you're on Battle Cat and you get tails, so you have to move two, there's only one square left, so therefore you can't move. Your turn ends and it goes back to the other player. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's, a bit, it's so, so quick. It's just like I said, this is the most obscure board game I've ever seen. And like I said, me and Tyler, of course, this wasn't nothing to be meaty discussion. It was a fun little uh, no, lighthearted thing. Up all week, he's like, oh my gosh, Tyler, look, I found this game. It's going to revolutionize the He-Man fan community. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the game, game, gaming shops, will be, will, they'll be putting aside Magic Gathering and Warhammer, and they'll all be playing this Get to Castle Race Gold game. Shut up. You guys will be bringing in, like, boxes of, like, tokens, like, 
you know, it's like, it's like the size of like podcasts, you know, pog slammers, you know, they'll be flipping, you know, slammers of Zodak. If, if you get the Zodak crystal gold coin, I've heard you can get all the way to trap jaw and it doesn't affect you once, man. But you got $500, man. And you can only get them with loyal subjects, you know, or just some ridiculous monstrosity or something like that. Smart but Alec. The way Joe was hyping this up, he was just like, oh my gosh. Your nipples are going to get hard from this. People are going to be like, "Oh my gosh, we 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 want like a live tournament. We want a big like in the Wizard. People are going to go all the way to Los Angeles, you know, to a uh, game, a video Armageddon, and they're going to be playing a gray skull board game." Thanks. Well, I like I said, I brought it up because just because of that one space was the main <laughs> oh. thing. Because like I said, I put it up for people to discuss a while ago. So I figured, hey, might as well do it now. And plus, hey, if people out there, if you have it, like just like Dirt did to try to find a solution, if you have anything that you think could jazz that up, you can always let us know in comments or anything when we post or talk. But I just thought it'd be something different. Just talk about a game nobody rarely sees. So there you go. You can print it out. And no, never will again after this. Shut up. So like I said, you print it out and you play with your kids. You know, it's fun. Little two, you know, like, you know, a couple kids can play. You have to be five or six yeah, years old. Like, I can picture Joe doing like a Milton Bradley commercial, you know, for the Heat Vickery's little game here. And it's like like the whole mountain master turning the crank and turning the burn. You know, just Joe's rubbing up dog man in the tub. And Joe's well, trying hey. to do the commercial like these kids having fun i win and you know he made racial games really what a dork so you know what i've always thought this about joe joe are you familiar with the zoo guy ron mcgill from miami by chance never heard of him anyway he he's this he's a zoo guy that's on the dan lebitard show a lot uh, on, on espn he comes on like you know twice we talk answer animal questions talk about animals his enthusiasm i've always thought this when after i first met joe and I was listening to the, the Dan Levitard show. Ron McGill sounds just like Joe and his, because of the enthusiasm. Like when Joe gets really worked up about something, he sounds like Ron McGill talking about the excitement of like a certain animal can see in the dark, but he has no predators because he can see in the dark and he can avoid credit. And just talk about it's, it's the passion of the guys that makes you think Joe motto is like Ron McGill, the, the zoo specialist from Miami zoo. Maybe, maybe I am. It's the most thing, but I've always thought that about Joe It's like, he's like, Ron, he's like a zoo. Uh, a zookeeper uh, at, at the Miami uh, Zoo, Ron McGill. So maybe I'm, that's why I wear the mask. Maybe I am this guy or something. But yeah, you're right. You could, you could Ron McGill underneath that mask, living in you know Toledo, Ohio. So you're you know, this, is, this is probably the, drives all the way to Miami. This show is probably the highest number of shout outs that Ron McGill of the Miami Zoo has ever gotten in his entire career. <laughs> it, it, very, very. I don't know. He's featured on a national sports show twice a week. But we could trump. We could. We we could actually build up his popularity from our He Man podcast here. You know, we we could say we're actually competition for the Dan Levitard show right now. Heck, you could find him on Facebook, tag him, let him listen to this podcast. You name dropped him about at least twenty times. I, hopefully, we don't have to pay for saying his name. But uh, I don't know. No, no, doesn't like that. No, he'll probably think, "Who the hell's He Man?" There. Well, that was that was my quick thing. Like you said, I get too worked up and excited over everything. But now. We'll discuss a comic that this I, hmm, I liked it, but it also had me when I was a kid. There was things I always wondered about that was in it, and then of course years later found out that things that were in this comic were turned into toys that I never knew out or knew about, and that kind of really struck me right in the heart when I was like, I don't have these things. I got everything. Then I found out they were like you know international exclusive releases, but it's issue eight of the Star Marvel 
Masters of the Universe comic back in the day. And, you know, of course, you see Mosquito featured on the cover. So, Tyler, I'll let you start off because I think you already know what I'm referring to about these things. But Yeah, the, the, this minute, this comic, and I don't have it with me. It's in storage. So our discussion, I'm going to be based on memory and everything. But I remember the meatiest parts of, the, of this particular comic book is that it's featured – me personally, some of my favorite parts of the He-Man toy line are the the last wave of accessories: the scuba attack, the cliff climber, and the tower tools. And I I have such an affinity uh, for those later uh, accessories, and um, I only own two of them. I I just it, this this is this is clearly a blatant toy advertisement because. The guy writing it clearly had no idea what these things are other than what their function was, and that was essentially it. This goes for the characters in the story as well. Yes, yes. We'll get into that later on. But, you know, yeah, it's poorly written, but the artwork's not offensive. It's not bad. And to get to see so many characters from the later part of, of the toy line, from some of the 86 characters – to characters featured in the, the 1987 wave along with the vehicle. I mean, the accessories, you know, it's dumb fun. I guess that's the best way of putting it because yeah, it's the cover covers. One of the best thing other than He-Man's arm is drawn very weird and poorly on the cover. It looks like it's, you know, up the backwards. You like, his like his, his left arm is drawn to be his right arm you know, to the inside. It's, it just looks really weird. The way he's holding the, the cliff climber gear, the drill. Yeah. Oh wait, I never noticed it. No, I mean not only that, it says, "What the hell way is he?" Yeah, you're right. That is a. It looks. I don't know. It does look a little. It, it, it's it's like it, it's yeah, it's very weird looking. It's it's kind of a funky position. Never thought of it, but yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I remember seeing these items when I read this when I was a kid, but I never even assumed they were turned into anything until like when the internet came out and I found out that every one of the things that's in here were turned into actual things, the cliff or cliff climber, scuba attack and tower tools. But you know, and, and it's, it's it, one of the big mysteries about the, the later, the last year of the He-Man toy line is as to why, what, what was it about the European market that felt like Mattel could still release the giants and these accessories overseas, but not here in the U S all we got was the last one of the toys. And they ended up getting the two giants in these accessory packs. And yeah. I, I, would, I would love to know if there's a, or if there's a reason that – because it didn't, the toiling didn't last much longer in Europe either. So it just kind of makes you think, well, you know, what is it about, you know, this last wave of things that were intended for U.S. release? We'll just send them all to Europe. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, I, I would have loved to have these. And, and they have definitely – Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the box art for those three accessories – it was was stunning. I mean, it was so cool looking to see uh, the scuba attack. Probably my favorite. You know, it's, you got Skeletor featured prominently, and then you got Faker and Clan Champ coming at each other underwater too. In this beautiful underwater uh, battle scene, you got like this big eel coming out and everything. Looks so cool. The tower tool is probably my second favorite because you got Clan Champ, Cyclone, Prince Adam is fighting, but he ends up top using the tower tools. One of those things where you're like, man, what what the hell were they thinking when they did this? <laughs> so odd. Uh, and Ninjor's on there, and I think Skeletor's on there too. If you look at all those, they're all featured. I'm, I'm getting ahead. We're, we're, all right, I'm sorry. Sorry, Joe. I get excited talking about the box art, especially about these three that, extensions. That's fine. That's fine. Getting man. way no. too sidetracked here. No, that's fine. But like you said, I mean, they were featured in this, so that's why it was memorable. But you, you said 
clearly were quite bothered by by the sidetrack. You're like, no, it's fine, but uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll deal with you off camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, no, no, it's they did that. They. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> we see, you know, like you said, you have mosquito or, you know, okay, well, it's at the beginning. We're not doing the whole story, but basically it's, you know, just He-Man, I mean, I'm sorry, Prince Adam and Orko are just having one of their lazy days fishing, blah, blah, blah. And of course, Orko is bugged by the mosquitoes that are getting him. And he's got his 500 hands around him and flies while he's trying to swat away. And he sees a big mosquito. But of course, this mosquito that's flying is mosquito, which this is something that I've always seen. I brought up about the star marvel comics i noticed they did with some of the characters okay you have mosquito flying but he doesn't have you know the mosquito wings but he's flying like i always use this as an easy example like superman just like when in the other issue of the star marvel where they featured Scareglow, he's flying like superman now i know yes Scareglow, we could be used to having him hover if you will i could see something like that like specter like but when i say superman i mean you know, this is how it seems like they're all flying. I Hell, I even thought Skeletor was flying in one of the issues. I thought he did it with the meteorbs he was flying. So th this is how we get, we get Mosquito again doing this flying routine. But Mosquito, of course, is with Hordak. But then you have Squeeze with Hordak. Because they're, you know, they weren't doing the Snake Man angle in, in this comic or many of them. They always, just like you said, they took the, the toys, basically, that were being memorable for certain waves. And they love just slamming it all together. Because everywhere they had to get to the terror Tories, I think that's how they're referred to where Hordak was going, somewhere called the terror Tories. And only the, the tower tools or, or the cliff climber and scuba tech could get there. Yeah, I think it was a scuba tech and cliff climber, I think, were the wings <laughs> when they had to get to the spot. He's yeah, like, Man Arms, I think, is sitting using the tower tools in there. Of course, he's turned yeah. stone, right? At the end, but every time they had to get somewhere, you know, He-Man made sure to let everybody know that no wonder why nobody has ever come back from, or no wonder why is, and nobody has ever found this place because, you know, they didn't have this item and they didn't have this item because it was, it felt like it was a big toy advertisement in this. It was, but that, that and I, I don't mind those here and there because, you know, I felt like there's an occasional episode of the cartoon that was like that. And sometimes it can be done well and, some, and, and clearly this is dumb fun. It's, yeah, it's silly to see one of the, the more the the new prominent Snake Man is a member of the Horde in this, and clearly the guy who was writing the story or drawing it could be both. Were just like these toys are need to be featured in this book. You choose whoever you want, but these particular toys have got to be featured in this book, which is why Snake Face, I mean Squeeze, and Snake Face is in this, isn't he? Yes, Snake Face is in, yeah. Yeah, which why these guys are featured with the Horde. Yeah, you know, it's just like we don't have time. King Hiss is not part of the eighty-seven wave. These two guys are. Put them in the story, yeah. you know. And, and it also shows what we were saying earlier. That's why it sucks that characters you think should be in something aren't. And speaking of Merman, this is the one where I thought he'd be, where he's finally, where he's using the scuba attack to go underwater to get to the territories, and he's stopped by somebody. You're figuring, oh, Merman might pop up in this. No, it's not Merman. Apparently, for whatever reason, Squeeze is underwater. And yeah, a, a big anaconda character is, is attacking him underwater. This is like that Earl McCarthy uh, unused art where, where it's uh, – <laughs> Black and white art of uh, Squeeze attacking He-Man in the scuba attack. It's like the kind of artwork that would have been featured on PJs. It's fantastic. I, 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 plus, Squeeze is my favorite snake, man. I can't wait till we get around to doing a, a character profile on Squeeze. Love, love, love Squeeze. He needed to be used more, and uh, I, I was very happy to see it. But I know there's. I remember there's a panel in there where where He-Man says he's, he's having trouble breathing underwater, but he's wearing the scuba attack here. 
I I was perplexed with that also. I was like, yeah, he has the thing. It's covering his face. I don't yeah, understand. Someone over his head makes a point to say, squeeze your breath underwater, but I can't. Why are you holding your breath inside the helmet that gives you, you know, oxygen? Yeah, I guess it just doesn't. Yeah, he, you know, it's probably just a glass dome, so he doesn't get his air wet. And of course, they, they, are, they are writing this for, for four- and five-year-old kids, you know, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, and not really think logic has been thrown out the window. You know, if, if Squeeze is working for the whore and so is Snake Face, we have no logic here. So, you know what, if for some odd, oddball reason, just simply for drama, He-Man can't breathe inside the scuba attack gear. Yeah, and he luckily – yeah, yeah you're right. There's things I just – like you said, a lot of this shit, like, like – I guess you just have to let it go. Like you can't take it seriously if you're one of the, one of those guys who's like, man, it's like the worst thing ever. I'm writing a review for it. Check it out on my blog and Facebook and Twitter, man. I tear it apart. I rip it. Like you know what? You know you deserve a royal ass kicking if that's the kind of thing. Because this is not what this post is. This, this this stuff is just harmless fun. It it's just fun to see these characters going into battle. It's, it's like the next issue where you got Faker, Ninja, uh, Blast Attack, Scareglow. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. and you you got Blast Attack working with Skeletor. I mean, we we've touched on this briefly before, not to get too sidetracked, but to me, Blast Attack is a Snake Man. He's a creation of the Snake Man. I look at this; that's what he was intended to be, yeah. and not but, a yeah. member of the Evil Warriors. Yeah, because it's like I said. I mean, everybody can have the robot. I mean, the heroes have Roboto. Skeletor has Faker. The Horde has the Horde Trooper. Yeah, the troopers and everything. So it's like, okay, King Hiss in the mini comic created Blast Attack. Sure, in the Star Marvel, he's an evil warrior. He's not branded as a Snake Man on his card back or anything. So you could say he's not one. But no, I like to think of him as being the Snake Man's robot. They can, everybody can have a robot. So you know, and even his helmet, I think, has like little eyes. I always thought that were kind of at the top. So I took that as being like almost like a snake helmet. At least that's what I did. What what the heck? I don't know. It is he's he's another fun character, and I, I um he he is you know visually he looks like he could be an evil warrior. I I, I get that, but unfortunately the character was given such such little. Uh, he may have been given more to do in some of the UK books and even some of the uh, the European and, and maybe even Argentina. I think were there, were there were there books done in Argentina like He Man magazines or books or something like that from South America? I'm I'm almost certain they had them. I know that like in the UK stuff they had stuff where they featured them also. Uh, but you know, okay, so it, you know for for UK listeners or or people outside the US who've got access to some of these, if, if Blast Attack was featured in some of these, is it was something different? Let us know. Yeah, and, yeah and let us. Know. It ain't a sidetrack to Blast Attack, but I mean, again, like I said, I'd like the thought of the Snake Men having their own robot, and also I'd like I do. I, yeah. I mean, and plus expanding the snake man because the whore, the evil warriors was quite large. The whore was expanding each year. The snake man clan needs to expand and to yeah. have something not necessarily snake related, but a self-destructive time bomb robot. There you go. That's you know? the other thing. That's what I prefer from Blast Attack. I like the version of him in the mini comics where he's like, if you, this is how I refer to him. Not a bomb that murders people, but almost like a concussion bomb. He comes into the area, explodes everybody gets knocked out or something and then he goes back together because in star marvel if you want to say the evil warrior version of him they sure hammed him up to be silly like half of him can attack over here and the other half attacks uh, over there it's like I, oh, I, come on. I just felt like he's a robot that could go into combat but when it's looking like he could be activated by king hiss or whoever may be monitoring him so like, it like looks like we've got you know extendar and and uh fisto you know, we we got them. To, they're they're getting ready to take take apart blast attack. 
have him self-destruct and he explodes and knocks out both fists. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. Let him know, be the his part, I mean, the whole splitting apart like it would not fisto and extend are out. You know? Yeah, I don't, yeah, exactly. I like the concussion bomb thing, but the splitting in half of the Star Marvel where he can fight somebody with this half and this that, half, like, uh, oh. That's too much. No, once he blows up, he needs to be reconstructed back together. Exactly. So like, he's, for me. You only save this for a crucial moment in battle because I would like to think he's not something you can just easily snap back together like the figure. Like, if a story were to use blast attack, you use this as, like, the big, you know, well, the big bomb moment, you know, it's like, you know, they think they, they've they, they've won, you know, hit the button. Next thing you know, he explodes it and knocks out the heroes for the snakemen that can come in and take his prisoners or something Yeah, like he's always, yeah, he's going to be a bomb, always for me. But, you know, it's it's how, I guess, people were introduced to all these characters. Some might have actually read these Star Marvel first. Some might have got the mini comics first. You know, it all depends. But, hey, I mean, whatever you, you know, you think is your version, I respect it. If somebody likes him as the split and half evil warrior, more power to him, and I don't know. We, yeah, we'll have to. I think we did blast attack before. If not, we'll do him again no, if we can. Like, no, we didn't do blast attack. Don't pretend that we well, did. Well, we did. All right. Well, then we'll do him in a future one. Well, but, good, good, because <laughs> we sidetracked onto him. But okay, so yeah, um, He Man sends basically Oracle back to the palace, you know, to get help, and he'll know when, you know, like he's supposed to like get He Man for whatever reason. He'll know because when he gets back to the palace. Everybody's turned into stone. Of course, you find out it's Snake Face, which, oh my God, was drawn in one silly way with this big open mouth that looks like a smiley face and big holes for eyes. But of course, bam, out come the snakes. And it's not like a glare that I think you look into, like, you know, how would you would with Medusa and how he did in the comics. This was almost a blast that he shoots out of his face. And if it hits you, it turns you to stone. I, I think that's how Wait, it is. You know, I mean, look, it's, I, I feel like, you know, that something like that, I felt like that's why I felt like the Star Marvel comics can get away with a lot of this stuff because I'm sure these guys were not given a whole lot of explanation as to what these guys can do. Like I'm sure, if if, if we're going back to the idea that the, the artist and the writer are just given this this pile of toys that need to be out, and you're looking at the Snake Face figure, and the snakes just pop out, and you're thinking, what what do they like turn to stone, kind of like Medusa or something like that? I guess you want to add some impact to that, like the blast come out of the snakes, which I'm not saying is correct, but I'm saying that the Star Marvel mythology, canon, whatever you want to call it, they, they bend the rules, but I don't think they do it intentionally. I guess they're kind of feeling like, what do they do? What do this? What happens when they blow up? What happens when the snakes pop out? Does it emit blast? Does it, or, or I, that's why I feel like the things that, 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 that show up in these star books can get away with certain things like that. They, they did do some things right, but there's some stuff that it's very questionable, but I feel like it's all forgivable because, you know, it feels like the star star line was definitely targeted towards a much younger audience of, of comic book readers where, you know, it's a toy line. And same thing with, you know, Thundercast was done in the Star Marvel line also. Silverhawks, I think, was done. So, you know, it was. I think it was all right for rules to be be broken, tweaked, bended, uh, yeah. altered, whatever you want to call it. It was definitely, you're right, they had a... Def, uh, definitely had a different vision of these origins and these characters. Like you said, when they went with it, they really went with it. Because, you know, the whole reason they oh, almost knocked everything down. No, on the whole reason they went uh, to, that Oracle was going back to the palace is they found out that Hordak was there, that he was at Eternia. You know, they basically meant the palace of Eternia back in that area, that he was there for something. And that's when Hordak fights him, and you find out apparently he got something from Man at Arms. 
and pops open his chest and the buzzsaws come out. So apparently he got the invention or the I or the invention of the buzzsaws from Man at Arms. I was like, wait, I'm just again, it was cool, but I was like, huh? I like it that Hordak could create the buzzsaw, the crazy thing to come out. But this, they're like limitless, just shooting like crazy. And He-Man doesn't want to destroy it because it's one of Man at Arms' inventions. He's like, how can I stop it? And I think, what do you do? Just rip off his chest plate, or I don't even know what happened. I just know. What... I never, you know, the 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 buzzsaw Hordak character is fun, but I almost kind of feel like, given you know, you got Hurricane Hordak, and then your standard Hordak, who's the the, the evil sorcerer, the buzzsaw gimmick kind of feels like it's a, you know, a a bit in this context, it just kind of feels like, because you know, like in the mini comic. It's something that happens when he enters Central Tower. Like it's, like it's. I think it's it's a new power that he gains from Central Tower because when he when he comes outside and he you know launches the buzzsaw and he, they lose, he says, "We go to learn about my new powers, you know, and we will return." So I kind of like the idea that it's something brand new that happened to him, and he's going to learn more about it. Um, yeah, because it was just one in that comic, correct? The mini comics, just one buzzsaw came out, was it? One, one buzzsaw, because it's, it almost feels like, you know, it's unlike Hurricane Hordak or Terror Claw Skeletor, you know, or Dragon Blaster Skeletor, like the ones, I feel like th those gimmicks could be used, you know, not just, you know, blowing your load and done. Like with Buzzsaw, Hordak launches the buzzsaw and it's over. But I think it retracts back into his chest, kind of like a boomerang. I think at the end of that, we'll have to discuss that mini yeah. comic when we do uh, it, uh, a mosquito or. Uh, uh, character or Dragstore because Dragstore is featured in that one too. Yeah, because this one was definitely different. I mean, there was like just too many. They were limitless buzzsaws. He stops that. And of course, um, Orko was back at the palace. He's trying to use his magic spell. What's cool is, you know, he's saying all these great rhymes and it could work, but then he finds out from Snake Face that the only thing that can turn everybody back to normal is, I guess, He Man's power sword, apparently. So that's when Oracle's like, okay, now I know why He-Man was saying, you'll know when to get me or get help. And he uses his magic spell to bring He-Man to the palace before Hordak almost was taking him off a cliff. And then Hordak, I think, fell off a cliff but got caught by Flying Mosquito. But um, yeah, so He-Man gets back to the palace and then, of course, uses his sword to, you know, free men at arms out of his stone state. And that's where you get to see the tower tools come into yeah. play. So you got to see them be used. And, you know, of course, they end up just saving the day at the end. But this this whole issue, yeah, it definitely felt like, obviously, they were advertising all the certain waves of figures, the tower tools, cliff climbers, scuba tech that we never knew about until, of course, finding out years later. So, I mean, it was a fun story, but it was just, it was everywhere. It was all over the place. But they still were able to tell an interesting story from beginning to end with a lot of goofiness. But... Hey, I mean, I guess it, it's acceptable. It was for kids. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to sell the product. What else are you going to do, I guess, back then? I will say Mosquito flying on the front cover looked really epic, though. Like the pose that he's yeah. – it looks like a like he, he's bent over. His legs are together. He's got, like, the blast underneath his feet and launching blasts from his fingertips. You know, Logic's like, no, he's a character that runs around on land and, you know, puts his, his – his, um, uh, I don't know what you call it. His is well, his his blood drainer, you know, into your body and drains drains of your life force slash blood or however you want to you look know, at it. 
And that's what will be good about Mosquito when we cover him too, because this is a different Mosquito. This isn't like the one we, you know, we're used to where he puts his thing on and sucks your energy or whatever and gets you dizzy or whatever and no blood. No, this one he's shooting blasts out of his, you know, his pointed nose, if I'm not mistaken. Also, he's flying, which I always thought Mosquito really could have benefited. I mean, my God, his name is Mosquito. I think some electronic, crazy, cybernetic wings could have been perfect for him. I mean, he'll, you know... He Baxter Stockman of, of, of the of, of the evil horde, you know, the, the one character that could fly, you know. and Because yeah, even Buzzoff's wings, like if you look at the vintage toy, his wings kind of look slightly cybernetic. But yeah. Mosquito, I mean, this guy should have had him. I think he really... Yeah, I mean, to my... see Buzzoff and, and Mosquito duking it out in midair, or Mosquito like swoops down and but grabs someone unsuspectingly and drains them of their of their blood or energy source up in the sky, you know, and then just drops him to the ground, you know, it, it, it would yeah. be very, uh, a very cool image to see that, you know, because I know like the, the staction version of Mosquito went for a much more gangly kind of bug-like, yeah. uh, and of course they didn't give him wings, but... Um, it would have been perfect. Was, oh, man, if they gave him wings for that staction, that just, God, because that's an amazing staction back there. Yeah, it? it looks awesome, but, yeah. uh, it, I mean, given this, you know, he's flying around much like Scareglow would in the next issue, but the cover looks so cool that was one of the first things i thought when i when i first saw this star uh, marvel comic on the internet years ago see this this looks, just looks super epic it looks so cool that mosquito just looks awesome you know flying in minute like you know like he doesn't fly but it looks cool though you know and, um, <laughs> right hey i'm not gonna argue logic if something looks cool master of the universe you know if they got if if someone were to draw a merman flying you know a uh scott uh uh the war sled, I think it's what it's, uh, the skeletal version of the, of, of the sky sled, the ones that has like the, the, the more deep uh, emblem on, on the front of it. Um, if Merman's flying that, I'm like, why would he be flying that? Well, well, well I guess why not? So, you know, every all of the other evil warriors do, but I guess it's a bad example to see a character that wouldn't normally be doing something that you know, um, hell, I don't know. Uh, uh, Beastman fighting in the swamp, you know, or something, or just if it looked cool, go with it, you know. And, and Mosquito flying on this cover, I'm not going to argue about him flying because that's what of, of all the crazy things going on in this mini comic, that's probably the one of the least bothersome things, you know. It's, it was, it was a fun, yeah. I mean, this was, it was a fun comic. It, there, there are it, some, you know, stinker, you know, star comics in, in this, you know, it, they're not bad, they're not like, um, well, let's put it this way: they they bury the DC comics six feet under. I'll put it that way. At least you can have fun with these star comics, and they're featuring characters that we all know and love from the Horde, Sorod and Blade, and and the Rock Warriors, and the Meteorbs, and Rio Blast, and the Snake Men. No, you're not having Prince Adam has been given, you know, a uh, 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 pneumonia or, or not, not not pneumonia. Um, uh, Amnesia, geez, you know, for some, you know, ridiculous storyline. You kill the sorcerers off or something like that. No, none of that nonsense. This is all fun featuring the toys and weapons, accessories and vehicles that we, we would see on the toy shelves and in the cartoons and stuff like that. And um, yep. they're just fun. They're fun, fun comic books, you know. And, they, and of course, the, the last two, which incorporate elements from the movie, you know, are, are a lot of fun. And you got got... Um, you got all the star uh, comics, don't you? I'm missing just a couple of them. They, you got the one where uh, Hordak and, and He-Man are um, knocked unconscious and end up on another planet, and they end up working together 
to survive on, on this other planet. I can't remember the the full uh, synopsis of it, but it's interesting because it's, it's a fun story because at the end of the story, Hornet gains his memory and realizes that he's been working alongside He-Man the entire time and chooses to, to like, you know what? We're not going to, we're not going to fight. You know, we, we've made it. Well, we'll do this another day. I, I, isn't that how that comic ends? If that's the one where, that's not it, the one it's where. It's cover where they're inside the beast of this large monster. They're trying to hold the mouth of oh, the green monster. Is that what you mean? That big green. For 10. Issue number 10 or 11. That was one of the later ones. Uh, yeah, it's tor- towards the end because I, I I remember I think James E. Talk did a uh, an article about that in Serial Geek Magazine because that was one of the stories that as is, 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 is the Star Comics was wrapping up, they had some much more serious stories. Like that was one of them, the last two-parter, um, you know, and I, um, I, I don't have it because that's one of the harder ones to find. I never um, knew that. I'll have to take a look and keep an eye out. But, take uh, a look. Uh, that 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 would be a fun if you don't have any of these comics or you're not familiar with them. Some of them are silly, but some of them got some great moments. You know, if you're a Snake Man fan, it was issue number four or five is when the Snake Men are are unleashed, and there's a great splash page of uh, King S attacking Rio Blast. It's a beautiful splash page where Kiss's uh, skin has come off, and the snakes are have you know burst out, and Rio Blast is on his knees trying to keep the snakes from attacking. It looks so beautiful. So. Cool, cool stuff, man. I, I we love. Can always, yeah, that's what I mean. They're all, all the Star Marvels. I mean, you can always, like you said, we can always say some maybe are questionable with the story, but I mean, all of them, like you said, were just supposed to be fun promoting stuff. Some of the stories, like you said, did get better. Hell, issue two, we got to get the meteors, and that that's one and that, that good story. The the yeah, issue that was the first one I got was the one that featured the meteors and the Rock Warriors, and um, I thought it was a fun issue, and it was a. Uh, we do the inevitable meteorbs retrospective. Um, you know that that will be an issue that we discussed at great length because unfortunately they weren't given a whole lot. But damn it, they still deserve their day in the in the spotlight. And here's hoping future media will uh, will um, you know embrace the meteorbs as as the way they should be and make them part of the uh, um, the the He-Man mythology without question. Someday it could happen. I guess just crossing our fingers. But Heather had the right the right minds in, in charge, not someone who's trying to create their own characters and shoot so. things that don't make sense and nobody wants, and you're going to take it anyway. Or, <laughs> Super Seven's yeah. given us, like I said, everything, so I, yeah. I believe if anybody can do it, they could. Can, can eventually give us meteorbs, maybe uh, put them in uh, mini comics or or who knows what. You know, they yeah. they have our interest, uh, our best interest at hand. I have but, I have faith in them. I'm sure it can happen, but. All right, man. Well, before we wrap it up, why don't you go ahead and give your epic moment or whatever you're going to do. Go ahead and do it, T-Rex. Um, uh, before I do that, I want to give a, a shout out. Dude, I apologize for your, your forgetting your last name, but uh, Daniel, our buddy from Sweden. Okay. Who, who uh, was very gracious and gave us a very uh, positive review on, on Facebook this week. He, he contacted me and Joe and, and just um, – was doing some free prom- uh, promotion, free publicity for us. And, and uh, Dan- I, I apologize for forgetting your last name. I meant to write it down before we did the show because I wanted to say your name correctly. But you know who you are. We told you we mentioned this. And I, I want to thank you publicly on the podcast as we record for your very kind words, for spreading the word. And hopefully, uh, you know, uh, your, your post, you know, can can reach others and and, and just expand the, the the community of fans of power and then 
keep spreading the good word, bringing people in who've been so far away or enlightening people who've been there and missed some stuff. Or yeah, definitely. Just, thanks for that, for the, the shout out. And he definitely was listening to the show. He had a really in-depth thing he said. So yes, we do appreciate that. Um, but oh, what we got there, dog. Uh, one question before we wrap was from the, uh, from the group Zirak Kureshi, which I, Totally butchered that name, I'm sure. I wanted to know if either of you had seen the movie Logan and what your thoughts were on it. I have not seen that. I a couple weeks, but I have not seen it. What about you, T Rex? I, I told him I was I was interested in seeing it. In fact, it started playing at a local uh, old school theater, uh, maybe three minutes from my house, and I just found it was playing Friday. I haven't had time since I found out that it's playing, but I, I, since it's playing downtown, um, I intend to go see it at the old school theater, um, to see Hugh Jackman's most likely final performance as Wolverine, unless he comes back for a Deadpool or, or somehow, uh, Marvel slash Disney get the rights to X-Men characters and some sort of breach or loophole when Wolverine comes back to fight the Avengers and team up with Spider-Man <laughs> or something like that. So I do, I do plan on seeing it. I just have not got around to seeing it yet. Cool. All right. Uh, but uh, my, my epic moment for the week, uh, I've actually got two here. Um, okay. My first one is uh, is, is a Shira episode. Um, I, I had two in mind, so I'm going to go with the first one that comes to mind. My personal favorite is from uh, the episode Tyler from Trouble from season one, which is one of those moments that is similar to an, a moment in Diamond Red Disappearance was – he-Man and Shira coming into the Fright Zone to rescue Orko and, and Madame Raz and are attacked by Grizzlor and Leech, like surprise attacked. And to see Grizzlor like bear hugging He-Man in, into submission is uh, Leech, you know, is, is grabbing a hold of Shira into submission. And to see He-Man and, and Shira struggling to fight out of their grip left such an impression to me as a kid to see Grizzlor and Leech as very strong, formidable foes for He-Man and Shira. Like, at that point, I had not seen them doing a lot of the bumbling stuff. I just saw this like, oh, my gosh, like Grizzler's as strong as E-Man. And he's struggling to get out of his grip. It was so the music building and they, they, they just jump out and surprise him. It remains my favorite moment of the entire She-Ra series is that is that brief fight sequence between the four of them. I just I just thought as a kid, this was I, – I, uh, here, hang on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that uh, it definitely is memorable, especially. I bought the VHS tape when I was, I think, five or six years old at a local video store. Let's see here. If you can see this on the back of this, is the image of Grizzlor and Leech oh, attacking yeah. Shira and He Man. Oh, cool! I've had this, this. This is my favorite Shira tape as a kid to rent because of, and Laughing Dragon is also on this. Oh God! I mean, oh okay. VHS tape. I rented this this tape and I bought this with my own money. I was so proud as a kid, along with you know, I, I bought some other previously viewed nice. uh, He-Man tapes. But this Shira tape has been in my collection since I was a kid, and that's awesome. Has my most iconic moment from the entire Shira series is that it may may not mean much to other viewers, but oh, I absolutely cool. love that particular action sequence. And, oh, that's great. And my one is from a uh, Colossal Wakes is uh, is the moment when He-Man breaks into the collector and is distracted by the distress of the sorceress, and Skeletor runs over to push him out of the collector, and He-Man is grasping on, and the wind's blowing through his hair, yeah. and Skeletor leans in with his skull popping out of his hood, saying, you can't survive a fall from this height, He-Man. It's one of those most intense <laughs> moments of the entire 
between the two of them, where Skeletor's desperately, desperately trying to kill He-Man, and He-Man effortlessly says, you know, I won't have to, Skeletor just kicks the hell out of him, like, you know, back down. It's so awesome to see, like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, He-Man's hanging on for his life, and Skeletor's trying to kill him. And it was just, just, it's one of those moments, I really always appreciated these moments of strength from, from He-Man and she characters. When you're seeing hand you know up close and personal fights you know we didn't see a whole lot of them and that's not it's not a real you know back and forth you know rock'em sock'em fight but it's you know if you look at that moment just pick like pause it on you know your tv or on netflix or computer or whatever it just looks <laughs> so awesome to see the two struggling in the collector high high above in the sky you know just yeah no you're right it's intense oh. it's intense because you can get up you feel it you almost were feeling like he man and you you feared for his life because you actually thought he was going to get pushed out of there you're right they drew that so well how that scene is like you said i i, I completely understand what you're talking about with that scene and, and the intensity in skeletal when his skull is, is sticking out of the hood you know to emphasize how intense and how excited he is to think he's this close to killing he-man you know, and, and He-Man's got that angry look on his face because he's holding on and just listen. Oh, man, it's just so I, – I, I, oh, man, I can't wait till we do, like, a crossword <laughs> discussion. Oh. We'll get to that eventually. But well, those are two great – VHS tape as well over here. Greatest yep. event. Oh. He's got them all, folks. He's got I got them all, tape. people here. All right. Well, those were both those great. Those are my epic moments. I won't always do two, but I, I was thinking of some sheer moments, too, to kind of – Spread out and, and t- uh, give uh, the Shira uh, uh, canon some attention there. So I thought I'd do two this week. All right. Next week you'll have a give a uh, new adventures epic moment. So I've already got one of those in mind already. Good. All right. Well, okay. Well, before I wrap it up, I was going to say, and I really hope I say his last name correctly, but I think it's pronounced Matthew or Matthew Barninger. <laughs> Wait, what did you? What that's what was that? Matthew. Matthew, I'm combining, man, I'm combining Matthew and Barninger, and I'm like, Matthew Barninger, well, either way, it's Matthew Barninger, I think that's how you say your last, how he says his last name, I hope so, well, I want to congratulate him, because he was uh, the person who won last week, the uh, Filmation and Encyclopedia Guide, if you will. But, Congratulations, yeah. I was glad to see a lot of people participating in the contest, and uh, yeah. we definitely plan to do another one, maybe Joe might issue some some of his He-Man bucks. Yeah, you know, well, a, a, like a big wad of like a Scrooge McDuck wad of money. Out. Something you have like deal with Clarence Bodiger or something like that. Exactly, Robocop. just rolling, just dough. As long as you ain't yeah. diving into gold coins, that uh, you know, you would just dive or die when you smash. Wasn't that one of the coolest things to watch in that cartoon? It's like you could really swim around in a money bin. Dear yeah, God, it's like do that too. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, Scrooge McDuck, I mean, he swims right, jumps into the gold and swims right through it like it's water. When in actuality, you know, like my favorite quote, I'll do it again. Family Guy did that where Peter wanted to jump into his pot of all them gold coins. And when he hit it, he cracked his leg. There's blood pouring. He's like, why did I think this would be like liquid or something? So that's what would actually happen, people. You're not going to be able to swim in gold coins. So uh, I, did, I had to do that at the time just to drive nuts. So before wrapping up, or, well, now it's time to wrap it up. So let me just say, go to fansofpower.com, go to popculturenetwork.com, go to hemanworld.com, and on Facebook, go to Masters of the Universe, He-Man and She-Ra Ultimate Fan Group. All great places, all great people. So until next time, have a powerful day. Let's show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. There you go, Ghostbusters. Hell yeah. <laughs>